Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is season 15, episode four, The Basement Wife. The Basement Wife. I feel like we definitely called Christine the Basement Wife at one point. I can't remember if we called Christine Basement Wife or if we referred to Mary as Basement Cat. If anyone remembers, if you've recently listened to that episode, let us know because we've lost it. Don't remember where it was. Definitely think it happened. I remember talking about them, about Christine being able to hear everybody's footsteps above her. That's it, though. Anyway, thank you, TLC, for stepping up the episode titles this season. Yeah, huge improvement. We are impressed, to say the least. This episode, though, it's quite a doozy. We do have a couple of things lined up here. And not only an improvement from the episode title itself, but also huge leaps and bounds improvements on the Discovery Plus app for the TLC description as well. Get ready. It's a novel in comparison to our former ones that we've had. Robin questions why Christine said the family hates her when they all gather. Mariah and Audrey look at wedding venues, and they say that anyone who disapproves of their same-sex marriage isn't invited. Then, COVID-19 fears sweep the country. Wow, that was a full paragraph. It was a yeah, it was three different sentences, all different storylines of stuff that actually happened in the episode. Very impressive. Somehow, I still think I did a little better. I believe it. Christine refuses to abdicate her throne and go back to the basement. Cody moonwalks through a castle. Mary can't decide if she's nervous about COVID. She's still waiting for somebody to tell her. And clearly she hasn't talked to Robin about it because Robin's very nervous about COVID. (laughs) She's moved on from the debacle with the trees, hasn't made a decision there, but still working on the COVID sitch. And we're just in time, coming up right about the one year anniversary 
of the COVID pandemic hitting and actually taking hold in America to see it in the Sister Wife storyline on TLC about a year later. Record time. <laughs> Thank God we finally got to it. And like you said, perfect timing. Nothing like a nice walk down memory lane. So we'll get to that in more detail here towards the end of the recap. In the meantime, we got a few announcements here to take care of. We are going to be doing a crossover episode with Cara Berry of Everyone's Business But Mine. If you haven't already checked out her podcast, you definitely should. she got recaps of anything you can imagine. We got 90 Day, Sister Wives, a lot of Bravo shows. Married at First Sight. Married at First Sight. So look out for that. Also, just a reminder that the book club is starting on Patreon at the end of the month, March 29th. That is where we will be exploring the genius of Robin's number one New York Times bestseller, Becoming Sister Wives. It's on the 29th, so Mariah and Audrey will approve. It is on the 29th. Oh my God, what a great coincidence. Yeah. We didn't plan that. We didn't plan that. We did not know. (laughs) But it just works out. I'm glad we picked a date of such significance. God's plan. And just a reminder, if you are a legal wife on our Patreon, you can leave us a voicemail. So if you are going back and listening to old episodes or you're rewatching on your own and we missed something or you wanted to point something out from a previous episode, have other questions or you want us to dive in deeper a little bit on something that we were talking about on an older recap, be sure to call us, call us out on it. <laughs> and literally, you can call the number and leave us a voicemail. So that's what Kayla did, one of our legal wives, and she left us this voicemail talking about a little hair pulling incident that was a little, a little, uh, little drama, little drama in the earlier seasons there on the earlier recaps. This is legal wife Kayla, um, a new Patreon legal wife, and I've been listening to the Patreon um, in um, season one, episode three. You can actually see Gwendolyn's step on. Brianna's ponytail, and that's why Brianna started crying, saying that Gwendolyn pulled her hair. She didn't actually pull it. She just stepped on it. I love y'all's podcast. Y'all are hilarious. It helps me get through my day. Please keep the episodes coming, and I so look forward to it. Thank you so much for leaving that voicemail and for pointing something out, because I swear when we watched that episode, we must have rewound 14 times to try to figure out where the hair pulling incident occurred, and we didn't see it. There was definitely accidental, good call on that, incidental contact has been made. (laughs) So that must have been where we missed it there. So thank you for pointing that out and bringing that to our attention. If you're looking for older episodes of the pod, we get a lot of questions about where seasons one and two are. Those are on Patreon, not on the regular feed. So if you want to check those out, you can go to www.patreon.com backslash surviving pod. And take a look at the header picture, too. We did put a lot of time and effort into that. Carly worked on that masterpiece and put that together. I'm very proud of it. I have no Photoshop skills, and yet I was able to achieve a real masterpiece. Fantastic. Yeah. It really, really turned out to be something special. It pops, doesn't yeah. it? It really brings brings it out. If for nothing else, just go to look at that that header image. And read through, yeah, the descriptions of stuff, too. I think we really, yeah, again, captured the voice that Utah sound. And we're going to hear a lot more of that today, too. Robin's wheels are still turning. She's just been sitting there trying to figure out how she can manipulate the lemon charcuterie board luncheon that occurred a few weeks back. So she's going over to Christine's house to chat because she's worried about her. Robin's concerned that she hasn't stirred up any shit this week. (laughs) 
So she's going to swing by Christine's, just popping in to check on that everybody hates me remark that she casually threw out at their Olive Garden dinner. (laughs) Yeah, so she's, again, just inserting herself into a situation. It's so weird. And you can tell it is because she arrives at Christine's house and it doesn't seem like she's given her a heads up before she showed up because Christine passive aggressively says, you just driving by? Nope, this is just an unannounced visit. Just popping in. Oh, you just popped in while the cameras are conveniently here. It's a Robin flyby. Never done that before. Just sitting here flying by. <laughs> Robin was sitting here so much this episode. Oh my. She was there were firing so off. many. We should have done a count. It was definitely almost. It was above five. Yeah. It was definitely a two hand counter. Yeah. For sure. That was what was going on. (laughs) Christine's not thrilled about having to talk to Robin about what happened and her statement that everybody hates her. Or about anything, really, in general. Christine doesn't enjoy conversations, especially on this level. She gets too vulnerable. She ends up regretting what she talks about. And shares with these people. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like The Bachelor. Can't be too vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable. It's hard for me to be vulnerable. I'm worried about you, hon. (laughs) Robin, it feels like the way this conversation starts, she just came here to make herself feel better. Because she doesn't tell Christine anything that she didn't already say at the luncheon. She said word for word. Exactly what she is telling her today, too. Because basically, the sentiment was that Christine feels, at family functions, she is hated by the rest of the family. Where that may or may not be true, it might be something that she's just making up in her mind. She's completely open to that. But it is something that she realistically feels at these endeavors, as you would have them. Uh, Robin made it very clear at the Olive Garden that she doesn't want Christine to ever think that Robin feels like that about her. So then she has driven by. Well, she kind of made it clear. She is. She, she tried. She tried very hard. Yeah, it's maybe not, that's why she came over today. It's not that I don't just, it's not that I love you. No, it's that's not. It's not that I don't hate you. It's that I don't love you enough to hate you and I love you because of it. So yeah, maybe she wasn't too clear at, at the Olive Garden. So she did have to drive by and so swing she, by. So she comes by to say, just so you know, it's not me that feels that way about you. So never feel like it's Robin who doesn't like you. I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else and their feelings in the family. But just, yeah, letting you know from Robin's side, speaking for Robin, it's not the case. All right. So now let's just eat some parfaits. Let's get over this. Oh, my God. When Christine offered Robin a parfait, I was like, why don't they come to your house more? Because I would come over all the time if I was offered a parfait. It was a fresh made parfait. They were scooping it right out of the right of the bucket there. She was cutting strawberries up. Wow. See, Christine points out she when she hosts things, she makes everyone comfortable. She goes out of her way to make the visitors in her home comfortable. This is proven. Proven fact. Parfait evidence. <laughs> this is where Truly gets her hostess skills from. That yeah, that must be it. This is a parfait parlay, if you will. <laughs> But Christine's drawback here is she doesn't know how to be herself in another wife's home. She can make other wives feel comfortable in her home. She does not get comfortable in other wives' homes. That's where the serious convo starts. Robin agrees with this. It is hard to know what your role is when you enter another wife's home. And then she says, you just kind of step down a little bit when you walk in. 
And that's when it all made sense. Robin steps down, steps back from her elevated position when she has to come to another wife's home. Oh, I thought she was just rubbing it in, stepping down into the basement to get to Christine's part of the house. (laughs) There's a lot of steps down into the basement where you normally are. Christine jumps on the comment about stepping down a bit. And she says that when she's in her own home, she's the queen wife. That's why she likes it. She gets the final say. Then on the couch, she goes on to say that the wife makes the final decision when others are in home. She's the one in charge. It's her domain. It's her castle. And you get that call. This is why Christine will not live in one house anymore. She can't go back. She's not going back. Mary's not too happy about using the term queen wife, queen bee, whatevs. She says personally, she doesn't really like the term. Got a negative connotation to it. But I think the reason she's mostly upset with the term queen wife is because that is a title she hasn't held for a very long time. (laughs) So that's a bit of a sore spot for her. Then Christine just says to Robin, and now you know about the one home. Yeah, Christine goes full Biggie Smalls on Robin and just hits her with, and if you don't know, now you know. (laughs) Robin's like, huh? What did I learn? I'm confused. The one house is very difficult. That was not an easy situation to be in. I never felt like I was queen wife. Everyone else's needs came before Christine's. And on the couch, she says she even put Janelle's kids' needs in front of her own kids because she was the caregiver for Janelle's children while she was at work. Christine admits she feels guilty about this, too. She feels like she didn't step up for her own kids and advocate for them enough in those situations where she feels like she could have spoken up But she avoids these difficult conversations and she always just puts her needs last because that's the easiest thing to do every time. And that's when we hear about the basement. Basically, it sucks to be the basement wife. And she's upset that she volunteered to put herself there because she avoids confrontation at all costs. So she said, that's fine. I'll go in the basement. And this is where we're introduced. Yeah, it's it's kind of a generalized idea in the plural community of a basement wife mentality where if there is a queen bee wife and then there's kind of an unwanted wife that's lesser in the family dynamic you kind of put her in the basement and leave her to be forgotten so christine feels like she put herself in the basement role at lehigh but then chanel has to chime in here on this too she's been basement wife before it's not that bad i mean she's lived in basement settings with less light than Christine had in Lehigh. And she never felt the stigma of being the basement wife. But hell no, we're not going back. Christine will not move into one house because she'll never be the queen of her domain and she will not sacrifice her kids' needs again. It's not going back to that. But I think, I feel like it is mostly a combination here because Janelle doesn't fully understand the stigma. She didn't, she wasn't raised in polygamy like Christine was. So maybe that was more of like, a prominent negative mentality that Christine was more aware of and that kind of eats away at her a little bit more or kind of picks at her. Yeah, and I feel like if you if you live in the basement, right, but you don't feel like you're treated differently, that's one thing. But then she lists a number of reasons and things that made her feel like she was less important. It's definitely a combination of behaviors that amplify those feelings for Christine. That Cody doesn't listen to her. He doesn't value her opinion or her input here. So then we start going through, listing through a few other regrets that we've had. That backdoor entrance, top of the list. And here's where Robin thought she was the only backdoor wife in the family. <laughs> Cody said he only did that with me. She's like, huh? What's the 
What's the the problem with the back door entrance? Back door? <laughs> Turns out Cody had to come through a back door to get into the basement, so he never settled at Christine's. He would come in the front door of other wives' homes, settle himself, then come down to the basement. And that is worsened by the fact that he never wanted to shower at her house. And that is a big point of contention in this episode. And on the surface, it seems silly, right? To be like, showering at, having Cody shower, you care about where Cody is showering? You're going to police this? It offends me. It's, but on the surface level, because Mary even says, she's like, I didn't, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. I didn't. Mary is very quick well, to try to make it abundantly known that she was not demanding Cody shower at her house. No, it's just that Cody told Christine that Mary's shower was the best. It was better than hers. It's a better shower. I don't know Which what to tell you. Christine should have just turned around and said, then I need a better shower. It's time for a remodel. Why am I in the basement with the shitty shower? You're saying I have a bad shower down here? Let's fix that. So much so that you don't want to use it. Let's fix that. But up. I have to bathe oh, in it. Oh, yeah. Let's get that squared away. We need a good shower down here for your kids. Yeah. For your for your basement wife and your kids. Let's be real. We know what we've thought before. Our suspected thoughts about Cody and Christine's relationship. I think she was a little upset about missing out on some of that shower time. You freaky bitch. <laughs> she liked some of that shower. Shower action. <laughs> but for real, offensive, in my opinion, if your husband comes down to your house eats dinner there, sleeps there, does whatever he does with you, and then he leaves and goes up to shower in another portion of the house. Okay, and I mean, there is sort of a defense here that comes from Cody's side as well, where his approach to it was he would shower at Mary's in the morning, and then he would go eat breakfast at Christine's. So that was a way of balancing time spent with the wife. So in his eyes, he doesn't feel like he's doing anything preferentially well that's fine but then don't tell your wife that you shower in another shower because it's better than hers well that's what i was gonna say you need to explain these things it's the communication aspect because if you tell her that oh i'm showering in mary's because i eat breakfast with you if she's saying it doesn't matter i don't care about you eating breakfast with me every day then maybe that's one thing that you don't need to be doing every day but then who would make him breakfast? Well, yeah, I guess. But I mean, like, that's what I'm saying is like, that's why he married Robin. He can always get Pop-Tarts and Cocoa Puffs. Speaking of, this habit did not change until Robin came into the family. This is where it gets very interesting because, yes, Cody starts off by accusing Christine of twisting the past experiences to a negative place. Which is hilarious because a few episodes ago... He accused the wives of twisting the past too positively. So which is it? Well, I think he's twisting the past too positively now on this subject, particularly because he's trying to completely dismiss it. No, I showered at Christine's all the time. That's something that never that was never an issue. The problem is this is too far in the past to be trying to have a confrontation about it now. That's why you talk about things when they occur. But she didn't have to, luckily, because Robin did that for her. Despite the fact that she brought it up over and over again, he did not make a change until Robin said something. And then she actually says to Robin, thank you for bringing that up to him. And Robin's face looks like she did not tell Christine that she brought it up. It was a good reaction. (laughs) Definitely. That was a real reaction. Robin's faces throughout this conversation. Amazing. Yeah. I don't think she knew how much Christine knew coming into this conversation. I think she was trying to catch Christine off guard 
with the Robin flyby drive-by. Didn't work. But then, yeah, the tables got turned. So I, I think we're kind of just building to a Christine and Cody fight is yeah. essentially what's going on because Robin's basically like, you need to talk to Cody about this directly then because this is something that really affects you, clearly. You're still very upset about it and this is shit that happened 15 to 20 years ago. <laughs> Christine's trying to prepare herself to tell him this in person, but I don't think she has to worry because Robin is definitely going to go home and give him a heads up about the conversation. Cody already knows about it. Yeah, Robin's texting him right now. <laughs> if he's at Mary's, he's probably on his phone. There is one thing that Robin hasn't learned from this conversation yet. She wants to know, what was the difference living at the one house in Lehigh and living at the cul-de-sac in Vegas? She still cannot pin this down. She hasn't figured this one out, and I don't think she ever will. <laughs> this is just one of those unsolved mysteries where Robin lived near the family in Lehigh and she lived in the cul-de-sac in Vegas. She cannot tell the difference between those two living scenarios. What was that like? Can somebody please spell it out to her? Explain it like she was five. And this is very important, apparently. She needs to know this information so that she can be at peace with never getting what she bought off on. It sounded like she said got off on. <laughs> so I'll have to, I don't know. This is a new expression. But when she came into the family, she saw them live in one house. She was promised that they would live that way in one house. And now she's not getting it. It is amazing that she is suddenly such an advocate of the Biggie housey when she didn't have shit to say last season. Last season or even like the last episode when we were talking about it, except for when they were in front of the Dargers and the majority at the table said, Biggie housey equals good times. Now all of a sudden that's what she thinks. Christine essentially just tells her that they made it work in the one house because of the kids. But if they didn't have that, that situation, if there weren't kids involved, she doesn't know if it would have worked or if they would have wanted to make it work for any other reason. This shocks Robin. And is that good to pat yourself on the back to say we did it because we had to do it for the kids? We had to stay together for the kids, Blink-182 style. <laughs> this is really blowing up Robin's world. She is concerned that maybe she fell in love with a family culture that didn't actually exist. Probably, but don't worry. You can just erase those pencil drawings and draw whatever family culture you want. Just start over again, Robin. Just shake that Etch-a-Sketch until this goes away. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
now Christine talks to Robin a little bit about how things changed when she came into the family. You know, Robin's concerned that she's the pink elephant in the room, so we're going to elaborate a little bit more on that. Christine was amazed with how much Robin stood up for herself and pushed back when it came to Cody's decisions when she was first joining the family. Fighting to get a choice. This was a wild notion to Christine at that time. You can pick what you want. It's not just handed out to you and delved out like your mission assignment that is being given. You're not just taking orders. Robin has now started to nervously laugh on the couch. Was that good or was that, was that, was it too much? Was it, is it a bad thing? She can't read the situation anymore. Yeah, we are in uncharted territory for Robin. (laughs) And then Christine says, you know, fighting about Christmas? That's crazy. And this is when we hear about how Robin having Cody's ear has changed things since the beginning. For years. And I think we brushed up on this briefly during some of our rewatch, but they kind of glossed over it on the show. We didn't really get too much information on it. But apparently for years, there was Cody had a war on Christmas. He was trying to take Christmas away. He was canceling it. No more Christmas for the family. Too commercialized. And then Robin came into the family and she called him out on it. Because Christmas is like her world. <laughs> we know how much this means to Robin. Robin has an entire U-Haul truck full Christmas ornaments and memorabilia. Cody, the whole reason I was getting a house was so I could put my ornaments in them. (laughs) So she comes into the family and, as Christine puts it, had magical conversations with Cody that would completely change his mind. How important Christmas is. That's where Cody rationalizes now, looking back on it. My whole intent was to move the family's focus away from this over-commercialization of Christmas. That was the intention. And my conversations with Robin were just trying, you know, trying to remind me that there's a spirit to Christmas. And that's important to still hold and cherish in your heart. And you should just be cool about it. Just be cool about Christmas, Cody. Cody, you'd be so cool if you were cool about Christmas. (laughs) And that was it. Christmas is back. A lot of talk about angel figurines, boxes full of decorations. That'll change his mind. This gives us a lot of insight into what Christine means when she says she experiences jealousy. Because this would piss me off too. You're telling your husband the same thing over and over and over again, and that all it takes is a new bitch to come into the picture, and suddenly the script is flipped. That's where it gets a little upsetting. And at this point, Christine is kind of giving up on the conversation here too. She said her piece back at the counter, and now they're over on the couch, and when Robin's trying to continue his conversation, Christine's just jumping up, running across the room, grabbing hoodies and socks, and just diverting away from this. She's getting distracted, and she's losing patience. As she puts it, her internal timer is going off. It's been an hour. She's done having this conversation. She has given Robin too much information at this point, and so she starts signaling that maybe it's time to leave. Yeah, she's ready to pull the ripcord on this. (laughs) Pretty quick. She's running away from her problems and she is not afraid to admit it. Cody wonders why they don't spend any time together. But Robin seems like the friend that never knows when it's time to leave. You ever have one of those friends? Were you that friend? I probably was. (laughs) Like, all right, you've been here for like a long time now. The conversation slowed down. 
I'd really like for you to go so I could get back to doing the things that I need to do, especially since you just drove by and dropped by my house. But no, nevertheless, Robin persists. So then they start pointing out how all of these different living situations, all these different experiences that they've had, completely different setups. It resets the family culture every time it happens. The Flagstaff move is just one of many that have happened in the history of this family, and it is a pretty big one that would be taking place, but Coyote Pass would be another one too. If they start building and then everybody moves on a Coyote Pass, that's going to be a whole other shift again. So do we really need to get too comfortable with this situation if we're just going to be shifting again? I feel like that's Christine deflecting. Oh, yeah. Diverting a little bit. Why are we going to work on this and trying to change the family culture as it is now? Because it's just going to change again. Once we build on Coyote Pass, this is all going to get messed up again. You're never going to build on Coyote Pass. And you're never going to build on Coyote Pass. So let's just not even address it. (laughs) Let's just leave it the way it is. Now she goes on to point out, and this is the clip that TLC really promoted the shit out of, which really wasn't that exciting once we saw it without the edit. But she says, you know, we don't actually have to do anything together. She gets a lot of fulfillment from the time that she spends with her kids. So they need to figure out what that next step is. How do we have a connection together as sister wives? It doesn't mean that we have to do everything as a family together all the time. Plural marriage is hard. It is easier to just be girlfriends if that's the route that we should take. Maybe that makes more sense for us because sometimes it's easy to think of your sister wives as enemies. That's right. So Robin says she's reading the situation now. She's figuring it out. She's navigating. She says we have to choose to be safe for one another. Then cut to her on the couch telling the camera if you can't trust your sister wife to look out for your relationship with your husband then you can't be girlfriends. You can't be friends. If you think that she's actively trying to sabotage your relationship with Cody, then you can't be friends with someone who you can't trust. That seems like a good spot as any to end the conversation here. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Bye-bye. And then we have to see Robin cry on the couch because despite this conversation that did not really seem to end in the best spot, she's still hopeful about all the potential that is there for her and her sister wives to have a relationship with one another that is just full of this pure love. She's fawning over this imaginary relationship, again, idealizing and fictionalizing her sister wives' relationships, kind of like she hasn't learned her lesson about being duped of how the family dynamic was when she was first introduced. I thought she was kind of figuring that out at the beginning of this conversation, but clearly hasn't learned from that because we're still just Going right back to putting sister wives' relationships on the pedestal. I guess, do you think that she was duped? Do you see it that way? I don't think she was duped. I think she had, um, she fabricated. Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. And she fabricated all this in her own mind of how things were. And that was not aligned with reality. I think it's unrealistic to think that a family, any family, is going to have the same type of family culture that they did. Once you go through a different living situation, you move to another place, you're just continuing to evolve and change. So the idea that they're ever going to recreate what they once had somewhere is not realistic. Still chasing that dragon, though. Chasing the dragon. All right. It's March 12th, 2020, and we are going to Salt Lake City to look at wedding venues with Mariah and Audrey. 
Mary and Cody are getting some time on the couch, leaving plenty of room for Jesus and Joseph Smith between them. <laughs> that was a really big gap between a, them. That was a gap. She was looking so lovingly at Cody every time they cut to them on the couch. It's like, wow, we're having a good day, aren't we? And they actually did have some good moments where they were able to laugh together, joke about some stuff here and there. It wasn't as cut off and cold as it normally was. Yeah, but it's a little more in like an amicable, divorced couple way. Yeah, I didn't say it was good. (laughs) I'm saying like they, they were doing about as good as they could. Mary reminds us that Mariah came out to them about three and a half years ago. And then it was pretty sad to hear her reflect on how she reacted to it and saying that she felt like she was such a bad mom for the way that she reacted when she heard the news. But she really loves Audrey. She loves seeing their relationship together. They're so good for each other. And it does really seem like she's supportive of the two of them. So now we've got Audrey's parents coming into town to look at venues along with them and their college friend, Claire, who's going to be helping them shop around here. And I guess we're just going house hunter style, all in. We've got three locations. We've got the Botanical Garden. We've got a ski resort and we got a big old castle. And then we're just going to run down the pros and cons And make a decision here. The one thing we know for sure is they want to get married on August 29th, 2021. Okay. Good foresight. That is, yeah, you're in a pretty good spot there. And (laughs) I think that might hold true. You might be okay. (laughs) Cody wants to know the significance of the 29th because he can't remember all these kids' birthdays with how many he has. So we find out Mariah and Audrey were both born on the 29th, not the 29th of August, but on the 29th. So that's what they picked. They want to be married on the 29th. It was when I lost my virginity, Dad. Very important date. I look back on it fondly. August 29th. Holds a special place in my heart. (laughs) So they go into the first venue, which is the Botanical Garden. And Cody asks out of nowhere if they're planning dancing, which I thought was an odd question. Um, Is Mariah very anti-dancing? I'm sure she used to be. But I think that was probably before she came out as homosexual. Is there going to be alcohol at this wedding? That's all I need to know. That's the important question. (laughs) And that was not addressed, unfortunately. We need to know the answer to that. Is there an open bar? And can I bring a plus one? (laughs) Now we get a demonstration on how they dance because we've only seen three other weddings on this show. We don't know the four Four weddings on this show. We don't know the answer to that. Well, we've never seen Audrey's dad dance, and he's got the moves. <laughs> Janelle is a badass and tells us she just jumps up and down in the mosh pit. She don't dance. She don't need to dance. And then Christine definitely tries to strong arm TLC into signing another contract for season 16 by promising to reveal her dance moves at the wedding. She's not giving any of this away for free. You're going to have to pay me for that. <laughs> <laughs> So we're checking out the garden. We're walking down an aisle that isn't a straight line because there's nothing straight about this wedding. (laughs) Cody comes up with that joke and he gets quite a gallery of laughter, which he really loves. And they're embracing it. They're thinking maybe this is the place for us because that's funny. It's on brand for us. I think that could work. So this is super important. Now we're going to rank the importance of stuff that we need at the wedding. Supportive people. That's what we need. We got lots of support here. This close-knit group, we're all looking for venues together, having a good old time. Not everyone agrees with Mariah and Audrey's right to marry, and they don't want that there or need to worry about those people on that day. The family is kind of split. 
there are potentially people who are intolerant. Sounds like they've already been chatting with Mary a little bit about who they're crossing off the list. <laughs> she was well aware of this and agreed with their stance. Cody knows how this feels because back when he and Mary got married, they had people come up to them on their wedding day to tell them they didn't condone their chosen lifestyle, even though they were having a monogamous wedding. Ooh, and at first, uh, he was recalling his wedding and talking about having their polygamous wedding, did not specify which wedding. When they were in the botanical garden. And by default, yeah. he meant his marriage to Robin. <laughs> so the first marriage that he's talking about in the garden is with Robin. But he just referred to it as though everybody should know. The wedding. That's the wedding he meant. My wedding. We had a polygamist wedding. <laughs> we know. We were there. But Robin was even trying to play surprise on it too. Wait, which one were you talking about? I was confused. So he was talking about at the polygamous ceremony, a lot of people who did have problems ended up lightening up during the ceremony. So that was nice to see. But then he decides to flashback to the rougher day, Mary's wedding. The day he was deceived as we've come to know it. Right. I did like to see Janelle in the photo too. She was cropped out, cropped out her first husband, okay. Mary's brother. Hilarious. That was pretty nice. <laughs> I did like to see that. She looked happier than Mary in the photo. Yeah, on Mary's wedding day. <laughs> so Cody's not sure. Do we not invite people or do we invite them and then hope that as they're sitting there during the ceremony, they think, you know, maybe it's not godly or right to ostracize people for the way they choose to live their life. No, I think it's going to be safer to just not invite them. <laughs> That's what I would go with. <laughs> That's what, Yeah, because this is where we learn how this was Cody's whole backstory about how he became accepting of homosexuals. Because he's been treated badly as a polygamist man getting married. We're going to have to screen these people before sending the invites, though. That's what it comes down to. Robin, on the other hand, is trying to convince Mariah and Audrey that if someone shows up, that means that they're there because they support them. Which contradicts exactly what happened at Mary and Cody's wedding. Because people showed up, but still went out of their way to give them a piece of their mind. Yeah, where meanwhile, Christine's like, uh, no, yeah, I'm totally on board. Yeah, we got to screen these calls. Yeah, she was like, just don't invite them. Just throw these invites out. Like, yes. Just throw those in the trash. <laughs> because um, I also like, too, where we kind of brushed through about how polygamous weddings are supposed to be super low key for any of the extra wives. So there's like no celebration. It was really downplayed when Cody married Janelle. Reasonably small ceremony and reception with Christine, mostly just family. But then they made an exception for Robin. Shocker. I remember Christine being upset about that because she had essentially, and I know Cody referred to it as a small, a reasonably small reception, but it was just like a dinner party. It wasn't anything comparable to a wedding. Yeah, it was pretty rough. So he got his big celebration and that's now his default wedding when he refers to getting married. That's the good one. <laughs> As they're walking around the venue, we hear some conversation about coronavirus being brought up. This coronavirus thing, it's a pretty hot topic right now, according to Mary. It's very weird to be watching this almost exactly a year after it started, knowing what happens. But we're hearing that companies are starting to cancel travel. Mary and Christine aren't getting to go on their LuLaRoe Rewards cruise. It's tragic. There are birthday parties getting canceled. Life is starting to get hard. And they don't even know the half of it yet. We're just getting warmed up. We're just getting started. Next, they go to Solitude Ski Resort. And Mary's already concerned that it looks expensive. 
Yeah, we got the mountains, we got pine trees. It won't be covered in snow in August, so that'll be nice. Now there's a catch to looking at this venue. You have to ride a snowmobile to actually see the ceremony site. You have to sign a waiver. (laughs) You definitely have to sign a waiver. I'm sure they made Janelle sign a waiver. (laughs) Cody thinks the way it's going to go down is Mary loves snowmobiles, so she's not a problem. Christine might not, not really sure. Robin's got children at home, so she's either thinking that she's got to protect them from her death or she's going to go totally kamikaze. Again, he doesn't even know because it depends what the overall group is feeling. Right. That's the 50-50. Janelle is going to be scared shitless and white knuckling the ride. And here comes Janelle busting onto the scene. I'm the most scaredy cat person. Who can I go with that won't scare me to death? She's trying to pick out the slowest, safest driver of the bunch because she's not going to do well on this ride. Is there anyone here who will go slow for me, please? (laughs) I have concerns. So she finds a driver who volunteers to take her despite the fact that she tells him she's going to scream the whole way up the mountain. And in fact, she closes her eyes as the ride starts. Oh, I just love, she throws on her shades and she's like, okay, let's go. (laughs) She just lets out a big sigh. Just let's go. All right, that's it. Hey, she's being a trooper about it. She's actually going up and doing it. Yeah. And they got up there. It was scary at first, but then it's really fun. Everybody enjoyed the ride up there and it's beautiful up there. But then you're thinking too, while you're traveling up there, it's like, how are we going to do this in August with a bunch of guests? Right. There's not going to be snow. We got a dozen of us up the mountain today, but what happens when all the guests have to come? Are they going to want to go on the ski lift to get to the ceremony? I would say no. I'd be like, here's my gift. Yeah, that is the question. Send me some pictures. I'll meet you at the reception. Is the bar open? I feel like it is scarier to be on a ski lift when there's not snow underneath you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That would be so much worse. Because there's no like buckles or latches or anything. Maybe they would for that. But uh, most of the time, no. It's because you have to hop off when you get to the top. I'm sorry. There's no buckles or latches? I don't believe so. Someone tell us how ski lifts work. I've honestly never been skiing. Okay, I went snowboarding once, and when it came time to get on the ski lift, that's when I looked up and said, fuck no, I'm afraid of heights, and I'll stay down here, and I never went. (laughs) Okay. So that was my experience. So I definitely would not be going up to the top for a wedding. There you go. They get to the ceremony site, though, and Mary loves it. She loves aspen trees, in case you guys didn't know. There is a tree that Mary definitively loves. And she's so excited that they're here at the ceremony site. The whole place smelled good. Cool, crisp air. Nice, fresh tree smell. August 29th. The leaves are going to be changing. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be gorgeous. Mary and Cody both agreed that they liked the venue. Bonding. (laughs) We're bonding. Look at us connecting. Look at that. We're not arguing, not disagreeing. Robin should feel at home at our next venue because we're on our way to Watley Farms. The wedding venue with a castle. It's not the castle she's used to, but it'll do. Everyone starts hugging when they get out of the cars because we think hugging is okay at this point in time. Yeah, not great for March 2020. Just keep your mouth shut. That's the rule. Hold your breath, hug, and then get out of there. Susie knows where it's at, though. Susie is here to show us around the venue, and she is starting things off with an elbow bump. She gets it. She knows what she's doing. And 
She's extensively experienced with polygamist and same-sex marriages. And August happens to be her favorite time of year to have a wedding here. It's all lining up. Which is, I'm sure, what she tells every single person who shows up at the venue. Yeah, when's your date? You're getting married in January? It looks magical in January. You should see it. It's covered in snow. It's beautiful. (laughs) Magical time. Mary knows her opinion doesn't matter, or at least she thinks it doesn't. So she's into the venue already, but she's not going to tell anyone that. And Cody already thinks they can't afford it. Cody walks around his $900,000 home that he lives in with Robin and knows he can't afford that. So walking (laughs) around this place, he knows he can't afford this. There's no way. They're not really sure at first. This is a castle. It looks like a lot from the outside. Not sure we're going to be into it, but those doors open and Audrey and Mariah quickly become castle people. We're castle people now. (laughs) I have to say, I was a castle person. I'm down with the castle. I liked the castle. When you get in there, it's got a good hearth. Felt like you were somewhere else, which is something you're really going to want at the end of COVID. Yeah, it's good. It's a good experience. Good feeling. Doesn't feel like my living room. Loving it. Very spacious. So this is where Cody proceeds to moonwalk on the dance floor <laughs> and gives us a little show here. Hits us with a full Michael Jackson The Experience. <laughs> I hope that he does it at the wedding. <laughs> He's yeah. practiced now. We're going to have a curtain call, an encore. I have to say the hair, he's just got to pull it back a little bit. Get some of those crazy curls hanging down. Get him a glove. Get him a red jacket. Gigi daughter. <laughs> so after this little dance party, everybody moves to the courtyard. And that's when Cody starts to melt down a little bit because he's looking at the courtyard. It's just as beautiful as the inside was. They haven't seen a price sheet yet, but he is convinced That this is too rich for his blood. We're in the wedding capital of the world, according to Cody. I don't agree with that. I believe that's incorrect. I googled it. (laughs) The wedding capital of the world is Las Vegas. So I think he's confused about where he is at this point. Just a heads up, Cody. You no longer live in Las Vegas, nor are you there currently. (laughs) You are in Utah looking at a castle. Janelle is pissed. She's really annoyed that they're getting excited. They're dreaming a little bit. And instead, Cody's bringing up the cost. Why don't we just let everybody think about it a little bit, experience it, dream, and then we'll figure that part out later. And he is going to regret what comes out of his mouth next. This is where Susie reels everybody in. They start talking about pricing. Finally, Cody has to kick on the drama. Oh, steady me. (laughs) Steady me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it. Oh, my hell. Which is a bunch of bullshit because TLC is definitely paying for part of this wedding if it's going to be on TV. I've got 11 daughters. (laughs) I've got 11 daughters. This lady's like, oh, cool. Are you going to come back? Right. Yeah, I'll give you a group rate. (laughs) So, yeah, then we Susie sits us down. We start talking nuts and bolts. What's the date? What are we looking at here? August 29th. We're closed on Sundays. Womp womp. This is a big problem because Cody starts telling them, You chose that date for a reason. It's very important. If that date means something to you, you should definitely keep it. Work around it. Maybe this isn't the place. Cody shoots himself in the foot here. He's already trying to talk him out of it before he knows the price. We still have not seen the price yet, Cody. He thinks it's going to be too expensive. So he is defaulting to complaining about the wedding date situation to avoid the expensive wedding. 
And again, reminder, it's not August 29th that is their deal breaker. It's just the 29th as a date is what's important to them. So why not move it looking at 2021? You could go just bump it to October 29th. That's a Friday. And you'll be in off-season pricing then. That's what I would do. Good Lord. (laughs) If you're not specifically attached to August 29th. Let's shop. Let's learn how to shop. It's cheaper in the off-season. And it's still the 29th. They're open. Go for it. And it's going to be beautiful. I'm sure if you tell her you were thinking about August, but you might do October, I'm sure somehow October will be even better in Susie's opinion. (laughs) Now the price sheet comes out and it turns out the price is right. So Cody has eaten his words. What wasn't right, though, was that Audrey and Mariah were looking for kind of an aha moment where they would realize that this is the right place. This is where they want to get married. To 100% confirm what's going on. But that decision, it's still TBD at this point. We're not sure. We're not 100% sure. She's still Mary's child. (laughs) And that's how we know this ain't house hunters, because there's no decision made at the end. Only three days have passed since they went looking at these venues. And Cody has gone to his mom's 80th birthday party in Wyoming. All the wives went home. And the camera crew has evacuated Arizona. They're gone. Yeah, we're on to cell phone cameras and remote controlled cameras. Probably the rest of the season. For the rest of the season, for the time being, at least. So Cody's driving his car back from Wyoming. He's recounting all sorts of things because coronavirus is hitting America full swing now. Toilet paper is flying off the shelves. There's an apocalyptical feel to it, as Cody would say. Apocalyptic is what he meant. (laughs) He's an apocalyptical. Apocalyptical. (laughs) No, it means that you need to buy an elliptical because those are going to shoot up in price, bud. Yeah, you should invest in some of those while you still can, while you can still have a home gym. (laughs) And you can tell they must have really sprung this on them that they need to start self-shooting because Cody has not learned that you have to turn the camera horizontally. Side to side so the image is wide, Cody. really hope that they figured this out because this is going to be terrible to watch the rest of the season if we're constantly going from vertical to horizontal. Like Robin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll get used to it somehow. So it turns out, yeah, this is not something to be taken lightly, but also Cody's not the guy to just panic about stuff like this. The wives, on the other hand, shit's getting real, real fast because on their trip back to Flagstaff, It was spooky. People were wearing masks. Flights were being bumped and canceled left and right. Robin felt like everything she touched was infected. So they said, fuck this. And they just rented a car and drove home. This is the best call. That's a real good call. They make the best decisions when Cody is not involved. I'm sure that was 100% a Janelle decision where she was like, guys, I have points. Let's go get it. We're going to Enterprise and we're just going to zip on out of here. Businesses and schools are starting to close and they're questioning how serious this is because everyone seems to be in panic mode. Mary can't decide if she needs to be nervous. She doesn't know. She's still waiting for that final word on whether or not she should be nervous. She's trying to learn more about the situations, about what's going on. Still can't pin down. Still can't decide. They think the kids are going to be out of school for a week. Isn't that cute? (laughs) That's adorable. Robin is scared and she wants to hole up inside of her house. When did the strategy change? How is that different from your day-to-day life? 
<laughs> I don't know. She's definitely terrified, though. She's like, it's killing people out here, which is true. So at least it seems like she's more in tune with what's going on on the TV than than Mary is. Don't worry. She'll start getting some Facebook ads and she'll change her mind pretty quick. Janelle is worried about how they're going to maintain their life. And then also, when is she ever going to see her family? How can we improve relationships if we can't see each other and talk to each other? So now it's gone from them not wanting to see and talk to each other to you literally can't see and talk to each other. And now we don't like it because it's being forced upon us. I liked choosing to not see my family or talk to them. I much preferred that. That is our new debacle, I guess. This is my new normal. Next episode, Cody and the wives are having a hard time trying to adapt to that pandemic life. TP's running dangerously low. (laughs) Robin is very scared for her children's health. Janelle tells Cody to stay the fuck out. She's over it. Done. Don't come back here. He's trying to figure out where he's going to quarantine. I guess it's not Janelle since she told him not to come over anymore. And we're going to learn a very important lesson from Cody about how to save toilet paper. I cannot wait for that. What do you think he's going to do? Tear the plies apart? Split and ply. Yeah, that's classic move. But then you're running danger on that, too. You got containment breaches. You got to be careful. You're breaching your breaches. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcast. You can keep the conversation going by joining us on Discord or tweeting us at surviving underscore pod. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.